Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. 1 Samuel 10 and 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? When you have departed from me today, you will find two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. And they will say to you, The donkeys which you have went to look for have been found. And now your father has ceased caring about the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying... What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on forward from there and come to the terebinth tree of Tabor. There, three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall receive from their hands." After that, you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, and a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Well, he's pretty specific here, isn't he? (laughs) Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. And you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. You shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Boy, he was specific though, wasn't he? He was telling these people they're going to be doing this, they're going to have these things. He knows what's coming on. So when Samuel prepared to reveal God's purposes to Saul, there's something he did first. He anointed Saul with oil. In the Old Testament, the anointing of oil symbolized the setting apart of a person for divine service. It was also accompanied by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, the Holy Spirit is talked about of an oil or liquid uh, or or air type of uh, reference in the Bible. Now, when Samuel poured oil on Saul's head, it represented God's activation, if you will, of Saul as leader of his people Israel. And God always believes in confirming things for the purpose of obliterating doubt. Don't you love it when God confirms something to you that you're wondering about and you're not sure, well, I don't know, I think I heard it, I think it was a thought in my head, but I don't really, I'm not sure, but then some confirmational event happens, you're like, oh, yeah, that was God. He likes to confirm things. So Saul's anointing was accompanied by three signs that would confirm 
that this was definitely coming from God. One, he'd meet two men near Rachel's tomb. And you, you heard how specific he was about these people that he would be meeting. Second thing, he'd meet three men at the oak tree of Tabor who would give him two loaves of bread. And three, he'd meet a procession of prophets coming from Gibeah. And he also talked about all the instruments these guys would be carrying. I mean, if you heard something that specific a detail and then it happened, would you go, ah, couldn't happen? No. I mean, this is so direct to the point of what he said. You're like, well, I can't deny that now. This is really, and guys, they didn't have texting back then. He didn't text the Prophets R Us site and go, hey, I need three guys to show up next to the tree over here with certain, these people are way off. You couldn't orchestrate this except by God. That was the only way it could come about. So we see in verse 7, Samuel refers to these three encounters as signs. He said signs because they are to serve as three different proofs of confirmation of Saul's calling. Guys, when I got called to ministry, I was working in a really good job. I was making good money. I had uh, stature in the management. I was, you know, I was trucking. God said, leave. What? Are you kidding? I finally got full vested in here and all this stuff, and I've got everything going on. You want me to just walk out? And I was a little scared of that. And he confirmed my calling in Israel. I met a man in Israel right when I uh, took off to, to go into full-time ministry, still scared. Did I, make a bad mis- did I make a bad choice here? And this man walked up to me and said, God called you out of the radio business. He didn't know me. He mentioned towers and uh, tower sites and stuff that I used to work at and communications work. And this man gave me absolute specifics. Blew my mind. It was very specific. And it was a confirmation of my calling. And ever since then, I've been confident with what I'm doing. I don't have to worry. I don't have to look back and go, gosh, I wonder if. No, you don't have to do that anymore. It's confirmed. And he confirmed Saul's calling. And what is remarkable is that Samuel told Saul that he would join these prophets in their prophesying as the Spirit of God enabled him. Look there in verse 6. He says, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you. Upon. He didn't say within, he said upon. Very different, very different thing. And he said, you will prophesy and be turned into another man, changed into a different person. Now, a lot of people, when they see something like this, they automatically assume that this changed into a different person means that he got saved. Because it sounds kind of like the language. Oh, he got saved right here. It's not what it's saying. I'm not saying Saul's not saved. I'm saying that this does not mean that's when he got saved, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going that way. What I'm saying is the Holy Spirit came upon him to activate him to do certain things. It says the Holy Spirit came upon Saul. It does not say that the Holy Spirit indwelled him like we have today. Today, when you believe in Jesus, you get the indwelling. They did not have the indwelling back then. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, it says, would come upon. I want you all to notice that whenever you read the Bible from here on out. Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon, upon, every time. To enable them, why? To enable them with supernatural abilities to achieve a task that God had called them to do. But never in the Old Testament does it ever say that the Holy Spirit indwelled anyone. Okay? And here's why. John 7, 39 says... The Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay? 
Very important to understand that. Nobody received the Holy Spirit until Jesus was glorified. So in the Old Testament, believers, how did they get saved? They were credited with righteousness for believing. That's kind of the same with us today. We, we believe. Scripture says Abraham believed in God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. But they did not get to experience the indwelling Holy Spirit like we have today. Now that Jesus has been glorified. I like to think often about, I, I sometimes dream, daydream what it's going to be like in heaven, the people I'm going to see and meet, and I'm going to sit next to Moses. Hey, Moses, man, hey, tell me what that was like, man. I mean, that, that had to be cool, you know, when the waters went like that, and you walked through. Did you see any whales in there or anything? I mean, what was it like? I mean, it had to be awesome to see such a sight as that. And I imagine Moses would look at me and go, you tell me what it was like to be indwelled with the Holy Spirit. I never got that. We live a much greater miracle than that, guys. I mean, it's awesome. So they didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them at that time. So we have to get our mindset into the language of the Old Testament, that when it says changed into a new man, it doesn't mean that for them what we consider it means for us. Because it's a different set of circumstances for us today now that Jesus has died and been raised to the, uh, from the grave. The language... Changed into a new man means salvation to us, but that language was not the case in Saul's day before Jesus' time. So we have to affix our thinking to Old Testament understanding that when Samuel came to Saul and when he said, you will be turned into another man, we have to realize that this kind of phrase was not used to mean salvation in that day. Again, I'm not saying that Paul was not yet a believer. I'm not questioning whether he was saved or not. I'm just saying that that's not what it meant. It didn't mean, bam, you're saved. It means the Holy Spirit comes upon you and gives you the ability to do awesome things. But what kind of change and for what purpose will this change be for that Saul is getting? Let's look at a series of Old Testament scriptures. I want to give you a few examples that happened before this point in history to see what happened whenever the Spirit came upon somebody. Because we got to keep everything in context of what's going on. We have to go back to other events that happened like this to understand. What purpose did this serve and what did it do for them? Judges 3.10, it speaks of Othniel. Othniel was one of the very first judges, if not the first one. It says, the Spirit of the Lord came what? Within or upon Upon him. Okay, it came upon him and he judged Israel. He went out to war and the Lord delivered Cushan Rishawatha, whatever, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand. And his hand prevailed over that guy. I'm redneck, okay? I, I, I don't know all the Hebrew too well. <laughs> I'm from Alvin. <laughs> anyway, so basically, whether I said the words or the names right, what you see is the Holy Spirit came upon him and bam, he's judging Israel. That means he's like the president. He ruled it. And he went out to war and he beat these guys. The Holy Spirit gave him that ability to do that. That's what happened here. Let's do another one. Judges 6.34. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew the trumpet. And the Abizarites gathered behind him. It gave him leadership. Hey, we'll get behind this guy. He's got the Holy Spirit power. Judges 11.29. Then the Spirit of the Lord, what? Came upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he advanced toward the people of Ammon. Remember, they went to fight the Ammonites. Holy Spirit came upon him, go get them. And he knew what to do. He knew the military strategies and he had the boldness and the strength to do it. 
Judges 14, 6, speaking of Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn apart a young goat. So you see, Samson was given the strength. I mean, guys, Samson didn't go to the gym and work out and look as buff as me to be able to pull off that kind of feat. He Stop. <laughs> the Holy Spirit came upon him and gave him that power to do it. I imagine he was a fit guy, but he couldn't do what he did unless the Holy Spirit gave him that ability to do it. Judges fifteen fourteen again, Samson, the Philistines came shouting against him. Then the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became like flax that is burned with fire, and his bonds broke loose from his hands. He couldn't break those bonds until the Holy Spirit came upon him. So what is the pattern that we're looking at here? The, the biblical pattern. What is the context? The pattern we're seeing is that these people were given extraordinary abilities to rule over Israel as well as to save Israel from their enemies when the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's what it was for. That's why the Holy Spirit did this. What did the Lord tell Samuel about Saul in the previous chapter? He said to him in First. Samuel 9 and 16. He says, You shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. So there you go. To pull off a kind of job like that, you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Well, wait a minute, Ray. I thought Saul was going to be judgment on Israel for rejecting God. Yeah, he is. And he's going to save Israel from their enemies. God can do two things with one guy. He's done more than one thing with you, hadn't he? I guarantee he's done more than one thing with me. So he's going to put that both into Saul. So there you go. Saul would receive the same endowment of power that the judges had known. The time of the judges is now over. The judges are done. And now we're moving into what are going to be kings here. And so he get, he's going to give them power to, for the same exact purpose, to rule over Israel and to save them from their enemies. And like I said, the time of the judges is over, and now we're going to go through First and Second Samuel to establish Saul. So what do you think the next two books after Samuel is? Kings, okay? We had judges, we're going through Samuel, and then kings is going to come in. It's, you can see how that order works out in the Bible. So the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon Saul, enable him to rule and save Israel. That's awesome to see. Now, we have to realize how badly Saul needs this coming upon Holy Spirit. He needs this change to kick in. Because as we saw in chapter 9 in the previous chapter, Saul just could not pull it off. He had nothing. Remember his doubt that he had becoming king? Saul doubted? Let me show you. 1 Samuel 9, 21, Samuel told him, you're going to be king. And Saul said, am I not a Benjamite? Of the smallest, I mean, guys, I'm only this big. Of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin. Why do you speak like this to me? He's saying, why are you saying I'm be king? I, I ain't but that big. You ever feel just this big? You ever have people ridicule you and make you feel this big? Mock you, make you feel smaller than this? So what? What God can do with you when he has a purpose for your life? He's got a good fitting place just for you. So anyway, Samuel had all this doubt, and he needed the Holy Spirit to come upon him to be able to do this work as king. And so for Saul to become king, 
to rule and save Israel from their enemies, the Spirit of the Lord had to come upon him. That's a requirement. He had to activate major changes on him. In fact, we're going to read later on that the Lord even did the same thing with David. In 1 Samuel 16, when we'll get there, I just want to foreshadow. 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. You're going to see times where the Spirit of the Lord leaves Saul. And a lot of people think this is the basis on that you all see you can lose salvation. No, you can't. Once you're indwelled, the Bible says that is a promise of covenant. But when the Holy Spirit came upon people, sometimes he would leave them. That doesn't mean law of salvation. That just means your activation of power for what I called you to do is off right now. That's all it meant. And so David has the Holy Spirit fall upon him in chapter 16. And in the very next chapter, take a wild guess what David does. He kills Goliath. Okay? He could not do that without the Holy Spirit power. A slingshot. You ever try one of them slingshots? Okay, I don't care how many times you try it. You can't be that good. You're just not that good, okay? The Holy Spirit made David that good because he came upon him. Guys, y'all want some of that? You know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit and you can get the coming upon of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's different things that he does. But right now we're talking about him coming upon And so David is going to rule and save them from their enemies. Now, Saul, same thing here with Saul, but David and Saul turned out to be very different in their kingly roles, we're going to find out. They're two very, very different guys. And so if you take this change in Saul to only mean that he was saved, you're missing the bigger picture. There's more happening that involves the entire nation of Israel. And so um, don't miss the context of what God had done to all these judges before this time. This new man change, as it says, in the Old Testament context means that God was about to enable Saul with the power to fulfill the promise that God had told Samuel that he was going to rule Israel and save them from their enemies. God is about to take Saul, a man who has absolutely zero experience, He knows nothing about being a king. And he's going to activate him for the purpose of saving the Israelites. If you take Saul's change to only mean salvation, that misses the bigger picture that God was going to do for the rest of the nation. Now, God's every move here and this part of the story is for his people. You remember when God said, my people Israel, my people, he said, Isn't that nice to know that the Jews, the Israelites, even today, are his people? Well, good for the Jews, Ray. I'm not a Jew. Well, guess what? Through Jesus Christ, you get to be grafted in to their blessings. So you're getting included in that as well. I'm not Jewish, okay? And so I get grafted in, and I'm thankful that God looks at me and says, You are mine. You belong to me now. That's great. So, the entire nation had rejected the Lord's rule. Oh, that would be so terrible if I lived in an entire nation that rejected the Lord. Well, guess what? You do. Mm-hmm. Oh, this country was built on Christian... Okay, I, I, I know. But the state of the nation now is rejection. Don't be like them. You're His. Be holy. Be set apart. And so, because they rejected Him, He's going to install the king that they wanted. You want it? Okay, you got it. But you're going to find out what's going to happen. 
He's going to give them Saul as a judgment upon them while still at the same time, Saul is also going to fight to save them. I can't figure out how God pulls these kind of things off. Here's your judgment, King Saul, but he's going to save you too. What? (laughs) I don't get it. Uh, you know, the Bible has to excite you or you're just not reading it. That's all I got to say. So Saul's change was to produce a national change, a change that was intended to get Israel back to lamenting of their sin. Guys, our country today no longer laments of sin. They're not sorry about it anymore. They're celebrating it. They're demanding it with a fist like this. And so Saul is going to produce a national change to get them back to lamenting. Oh, I pray for the days when America will lament of its sins. Well, God doesn't want us to mope around and be sorry. No, but he does want you to be sorry for your sin. You have to be or you can't repent. 1 Samuel 10 and 9. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. You know, if it had said, okay, all these specific things are going to happen and you're like 20 years later, it hadn't happened yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're a big phony. It happened the day he said it. Guys, when God gives a promise and he says something's going to happen, he means it. I'm dealing with some people right now that are questioning their salvation. I show them Romans 10, 9, that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But while I'm running my finger on it, I I have them look at the text. I say, you might be saved. And they go, no, that's not what it says. I said, oh, what does it say? It says you will be. And I'm like, oh, how about that? And all of a sudden they're believing. (laughs) Just trust in the text. Trust what God tells you. So they came to pass that day. Now, I know... When I read, I I have my own little objectionable arguments with myself in the text sometime. And I know maybe somebody's thinking, wait a minute, Ray. I thought you said that this does not mean that Saul was saved. But look there, it says new heart. It says new heart. Gave him another heart. And Ray, I thought new heart meant saved. Well, hold on. You have to look at the original Hebrew text. And I looked at the word heart there. I went to Blue Letter Bible. If you ever want to know what the original, actual, beginning, pen-to-the-paper text says, go to blueletterbible.com. They'll tell you what that word is. That word heart is the Hebrew for lave, which means a new understanding at his very core. It's an understanding. Every time we see the word heart in the Bible, that does not mean that it is the inner man's spirit. What this is talking about is a Hebrew word for an understanding. When you read your Bible, remember, it has been changed from another language to, from Hebrew to English. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, the King James is the Bible. It's the only Bible. Okay, so all the German people don't have the right Bible. All the Spanish-speaking people don't have the right Bible. It's us great, wonderful English speakers only have the right one. No, it came from Hebrew and some other, and Greek and other things. You've got to go back to what they wrote. And what that was, it was an understanding. It means a a new understanding that Saul had. God gave him another way of seeing things, new wisdom. Saul was now with a new way of thinking. He had an inclined, fresh, new determination. This is a long way from where he was in chapter 9. 
Remember when he, oh, but I'm just from this big as, you know, why me? My, my, I'm only this big, I'm very small. Now he's got a new way of thinking. God gave him this whole new way of thinking. He needed that to lead Israel. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.